The title today, I would just simply uh, put it out there, let's get serious. Let's get serious. There's a lot of stuff going on. There are people who are sick. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of negativity. There is wars and rumors of wars swirling around us. Does anybody work with other people that seems like everybody you're around is tensed up and nipping at each other? Is there adversity? Is there calamity? How many has noticed that there's um, problems upon the globe, even with natural things of flooding and fires, and the list goes on? What are these things? And, and they, they cause us to ponder and to ask questions. Many people just stick their head in the sand and we'll get through this. As we go back to the Word of God, it won't be our text today, but in John 17, you'll find a prayer that Jesus prayed that's recorded, and he prayed for himself. He prayed for those disciples at that time in that garden, but he continued in that prayer, and he prayed for us, actually, and it's recorded right here in John 17. And you know what he prayed about us? He said, I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. When there's enough pressure going on, there's, there's a time in our life we think, I, I'm, I'm done. I just want out of here. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want, I don't want to live this way anymore. I just, I just want to cocoon somewhere. I just, I, I just want to get away. Again, that's all of us from time to time. Depression is reality in all of our lives, hopefully not all the time. There are those that would say, no, a Christian should never be depressed. No, we're, we're very human, and we wrestle through things. And in that, then we have to go back to this prayer and say, okay, Lord, I, if I pray, get me out of this thing right now, I'm probably not praying your will. You, you prayed for me that I would not be taken out, but that you would keep me. How many wants the Lord himself to keep you in this time? As we come to the times, and you, those of you that know me well know I'm very much the realist. I like to keep it honest. I like to keep it right where we are. <clears throat> I'm not one that sticks my head in the sand at all. I've told my wife, if it's one of them deals in the future that a doctor comes to her and says, okay, we got a report for your husband. <clears throat> what kind of person is he? Do we just lie to him and tell him it'd be okay, or does he want to know the truth? I stick my bony finger in her face. I said, you better tell me what's going on. I want to know what I'm dealing with. It's just my nature. My pastoring's that way. My, my work ethic's that way. I want to know what I've got to do. I want to know what it takes. doesn't mean I can't have fun along the way. And in that, as we talk about our times, <clears throat> how, many, how many has noticed that church is even different than what we knew just yesterday? And we find ourselves saying at times, well, we're going to get back to where we were. Or I want the, the, the normal to come back. And then we've all had our jokes about the normal. What is the normal? So we have to deal with the now. As we look at the now, we, we see that people act differently when there's pressure on. Some people become very capricious. They're just very erratic, just bouncing around and, and just uh, changing all the time. We don't really know what person's going to show up. They're, they're on edge. They're moody. 
Sometimes they're just silly giggling all the time, and other times they'll snap your head off. Anybody know anybody like that? Others, you know, we just find ourselves, well, if, you know, I just, I just want to put my head down on a pillow. When I wake up tomorrow, it'll all be okay. There are others that uh, are, are very fearful at this time. There are others like, I don't want to hear one more news broadcast. I am not going to, I'm not going to read another paper. I'm not going to go to a, any kind of podcast. I just, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And we can go on listing how different people relate to things. Well, with all that said, you think that these two subjects aren't connected, but we are actually coming into the calendar time of the year that known as the High Holy Days. And starting tomorrow evening at sunset, we move into Rosh Hashanah. Those of you that's been a part of this congregation for years, as long as I've been your pastor, you know that I'm not going to skip over the importance of understanding these feasts. Because again, they're not Jewish feasts. They're feasts of the Lord. They communicate. They speak to us. When we come to Rosh Hashanah, it's known as different things. That's the Hebrew, of course. We also know it as the Feast of Trumpets. We know that it's a time of the year that as we look back, how did it get these certain names and what does it mean? We know it's also the beginning of a new year. It's New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. Because you see, in the Jewish calendars, there's actually two. There's a religious calendar and a civil calendar. This is the civil. We understand that there are seven feasts of the Lord described in Leviticus 23. And in that, the first three feasts, Jesus himself fulfilled what each one represent. Again, Passover, unleavened bread. We understand that these feasts of the Lord are communicating Jesus' Passover, the sacrificial lamb. We know at unleavened bread, his body was put into the tomb. Again, no sin in his person. And of course, then the resurrection of Jesus being the first fruit. Then we moved into Pentecost. How many are glad that Pentecost not only became an annual feast, but it was speaking of that which would come, and it has come, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now we're into these fall feasts, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or atonement, and tabernacles. Again, I always have to kind of give the foundation because there's always somebody else just learning. There's others that know much more than myself, maybe. I don't know. But they are communicating to us. Because again, in its origin, understand each one of these feasts are known as moeds. They are known as moeds, which means that they are designed to be cyclical. That they come around each year. That they keep communicating to us. Even when we talk about communion today, the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me, is, is how we've paraphrased it. In other words, don't just do it one time and one and done. But we are reminded each time we go through a communion service that it's communicating to us anew and afresh. Can I hear an amen? amen? So it is with these feasts. And so with Rosh Hashanah, it's the Feast of Trumpets. It's sounding an alarm. But what you have to picture way back then 
is that they depended upon this high priest to announce when the new year was actually beginning because it is a lunar event and they're waiting for the new moon, not a full moon, a new moon. And so here they are gathering, knowing it's the season, but will the high priest declare that the new year begins tonight or maybe it's tomorrow night? It is known as the feast that no man knows, the timing of it. So again, you see, it is such a beautiful picture that Jesus shared with us to this day that we are to be watching, that we are to be looking and longing. Will it be tonight? Will it be tomorrow? And so again, you can, you can feel the press of the people. You can hear the, cl- the clamoring of the people as, I, 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 I'm ready, I'm ready. We're ready to launch out. All the eyes are on the priest. How many knows we still have a high priest and his name is Jesus? And our eyes are to be upon him. As they are looking, you can hear the chatter. Oh, I, th- I think I see the sliver of the new. How many of those people have opinions? Well, if I was in charge. But it was dependent upon him alone. And finally, whether it was this night or the next night, and again, on our calendar year this year, it begins tomorrow evening at sunset, the 6th, and it goes through the 8th. This season of looking, will it begin now? That still speaks to us because as we announce a new year, we know in our own Gregorian calendar when it comes to December 31st on into January 1, isn't there a lot of parties going on? Isn't there are people making uh, statements of, I, I tell you what I'm gonna do as I get into the new year, I'm gonna start doing this or I'm gonna stop doing this. The resolutions. So it is with us because now it also speaks to us as a church, as the people of God, that this is also the beginning of the days of all. You see, there's actually a 40-day period, but the last 10 days of that 40-day period are these days of all. What does that mean? It means it's a time of inward inspection. It's a time of repentance. How many knows that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Turn to the person next to you and say, you have sinned. You've been waiting for this. Having a little fun with you, but the reality comes back now to the contrition of it. The reality is I need to look at myself Am I willfully sinning against God and his word? Have I accepted things in my life that it looks like I've got away with it, but there's something gnawing away at me? Is there something going on that at one time I would have had nothing to do with it? But then I met so-and-so, and it seemed to be easier to say yes to it. It gets quiet when you get to a point like this. Because the reality is, again, we can be led astray. 
we can become weak. We can diminish in our devotion to things that are important to us, especially our faith unto God. We find out that sometimes life just wears us down. And I'm not praying like I used to pray. I'm not trusting like I used to trust. I wonder how many without a raise of hands would say, there was a time you'd ask people around an altar and I'm the first one to go down, lay hands on somebody else and pray for them because I just knew that God was going to answer prayer. But then you go through a time of great adversity and great challenge and it lingers and it doesn't just be, it lasts for a day or two, it just goes on and on and on. Somewhere along the way, you're like, I don't know if I have the confidence that I once had. And I don't know if it's directed to God or to me, but there seems to be a disconnect. See, it's quiet. That's why these days of awe are so important. It's actually 40 days, but we start doing this introspection. But those last 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and atonement, we are now focusing. It's an important time. I want you to turn with me to a minor prophet by the name of Micah. Those of you in person, if you stand with me. Matter of fact, those of you streaming, you can stand as well, unless you're driving your car. Micah chapter 7, I want to begin reading at verse 18. I'll reflect back in a moment of what has led up to this. But listen to this person crying out to God. Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights, don't you love us about our God, in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Can I put you on pause just a second? Can you not see God taking those sins that we've given to him, say, Lord, I can't do anything about them, and him just crushing them under his feet? What a visual. These things that hound us, that get so entrenched in our life that we've cried out or we say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix it. I'll get past this. And it just keeps on. And finally, okay, God, it's beyond me. I need a God to take care of this thing that's coming to my life. And God says, I'd be glad to do it. Here, put it down. And we put it down and we watch him just stomp it. Rendering it totally useless. That thing that used to have such power over me no longer has breath in it any longer. Wow. Okay, take it back off pause. You will cast our sins into the depth of the sea. Now go find it again. It's been enveloped. And I feel the presence of God. Let, let his word speak to us today. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Thank you, Lord, for your word. You may be seated again. This prophet that we call a minor prophet, 
He's a contemporary of Isaiah, and Isaiah's walking into Jerusalem, and he's dealing with the powers of the present world of government. But all of a sudden, there's another prophet just coming out of the south region, just a country boy, coming in with his boots on. And he's speaking to the times. The iniquity that has moved in among our people, the things that we've accepted, the the false prophets, the cheating priests, the whoredoms, the things that we've accepted, oh God, these corrupt leaders, these unfair judges. Does this sound familiar at all? The immorality of the times and idol worship. Times really haven't changed at all in which we find ourselves, if we're not careful, mixing our Christianity with Baal worship again. Just the culture of the world. If you'll tone down your Jesus stuff, we'll accept you. If, you'll, if, if you won't take such a position on holiness, we'll all get along fine. And yet, we find ourselves torn. If I ask for a raise of hands again, how many of us like to be popular? Every hand would go up. It's just our nature. None of us like to walk alone. We all like it when somebody comes in and says, I'm so glad you're here. You're the brightest personality. You're so smart. You're so intelligent. It's not the same around here without you. I'm kind of talking to anybody. But then when the times come in, you walk into a room and no one even looks your way. Or if they do, they immediately turn to somebody else and start doing this. Can you still walk alone? Or do you find yourself, I like what I used to taste. I I liked being popular. I liked being accepted so readily. I liked it when people knew my name. Or you heard others say, who is that? Oh, that's Randy Brooks. Oh, that's, that's Randy Brooks. See, this stuff gets real. It is this prophet that speaks out, oh God, this is a nation. You see, actually, here's this preacher that is speaking to the northern tribes and he's speaking to the southern tribes. The Assyrians would take over the the tribes of the north and in time, Babylon would conquer even, yes, Judah. And here's someone crying out, we got to repent. We're going to be judged. Here's the thing about Rosh Hashanah. I told you they're moeds. But a more popular visual that we can see today is they're dress rehearsals. Every time a feast comes along, it's another rehearsal. If you've ever been in a play, if you've ever been in a pageant, you have these early practices and everybody's just reading their lines. And finally you get far enough along there that the costumes start coming out and they start fitting everybody. You got to get the proper wigs, the right makeup. We start understanding about blocking, the logistics of where the props will be, the timing and synchronizing all of it together. It's all working toward showtime. And finally, the director comes in, and we've all had those directors, haven't we, if we've done any plays, that there's fun and games for a while, but now it's time to get serious. Yeah. 
been there, haven't you? And even when somebody starts acting up right now, somebody else says, hey, this is the last dress rehearsal. This time tomorrow, there won't be any more rehearsals. It'll be showtime. Wow. These moeds, these dress rehearsals continue to speak to us. And there's a tradition that comes along with Rosh Hashanah. It's sounding the alarm. It's time to get serious about our repentance because we're so much closer now to atonement. Remember, these are dress rehearsals. The tradition that was carried for these people was finally now, here we are, and you can see people looking at their wristwatch. There's there's sundials on their wrist at least. (laughs) Just making sure you're still with me. The priest will go before God tomorrow in the Holy of Holies. And here was the tradition that we must be, and here's a beautiful word, inscribed. That we got to make sure our name is written in the book. I know it was there last year, but this is another year. And the tradition was teaching them something. You could talk to somebody, I'm sweating bullets. I don't think I've been as good boy this year as I was last year. And you know, I've been so accepted year after year, but I don't know. I kind of know my own heart. I don't know. I'm worried about this time. So I really want to repent. You see, we've all sinned. We know those times we... We hadn't been caught yet, but we knew it was just around the corner. How many knows? How many remember mom and dad finding out? The teacher finding out. The pastor finding out. Am I going to survive the judgment this time? I want to remain inscribed. I want my name in the book. And the tradition was teaching them, if your name was inscribed... After atonement, you were good for one more year. Okay. I'm going to do better this year than I did last year because I was sweated bullets this time. To be inscribed is to be examined. And for them, they simply were teaching, if you did more good than evil, your name would remain. But you see, Revelation teaches us something different as well. And it teaches us that our name better be written in the Lamb's book of life. Because that one is showtime. That one's no longer a dress rehearsal. That one no longer is just getting us prepared. That one's for eternity. There won't be another one. There won't be another shot. There won't be another chance. I want you to stand with me.